This is Outside the Arc with Coach R.J. Barsh, discussing the game of basketball with players and coaches from around the world of hoops, presented by NBC Basketball Camps. I'm John Fazio with NBC Basketball Camps, and I'm thrilled to introduce our guest for today. Coach R.J. Barsh uh, grew up in the Tacoma area, ended up playing some college basketball at Tacoma Community College, later became a coach there, had success as a player and a coach. Um, his college coaching career moved on from there. He spent some time at the University of Puget Sound, uh, then uh, did a seven-year stretch at Southeastern University in Florida before more recently coming to uh, Boise, Idaho and taking an assistant position at Boise State University. He also has a long history with NBC camps, which we will get into a bit here, but I want to say welcome to you, Coach Barsh. I'm glad to be here, Faze, so uh, I'm ready to roll, baby. Yeah, hey, you know, when I look through your coaching resume, even playing resume, you've had success at every stop. I mean, that that's not just luck, is it? No, it's picking the right team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but also it's just uh, I have an ability to be a motivator, so I think I can – my whole life God's gifted me to bring the gifts out of others. So I think for some reason the teams that I end up being on, guys sometimes exceed their expectations, which is – an NBC quote, right? To exceed yep. expectations always. So those, I mean, I've been blessed to be around good players and good and good coaches. And I think a lot of that is choosing the right school to go to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And before we dive too far into the basketball stuff, you are uh, a, a relatively new dad. Is that right? How has fatherhood been treating you? Yeah, so biologically, I have just had my son Grayson and he's he'll be nine months on the 13th, which is tomorrow, June 13th, tomorrow. Maybe. Today, maybe? Who knows? Uh, it's, it really don't matter as much. And I have a son that's also 22 uh, uh, that, that I uh, adopted when he was 10. So okay. Okay. to this part of the fatherhood. So definitely new to the, the late nights, early mornings, around the clock. Love it, but yeah. definitely new to that. <laughs> Different experience for sure. Yeah. Hey, for you, what has been the biggest difference going from you were uh, you had a nice stretch as a head coach at Southeastern University and then you, you, you move on from that position. Now you're an assistant. What's, what's, what have you seen the difference? You, you went from an NAIA school to a Division One. You went from a head coach to an assistant position. What have been some of the biggest differences you've experienced so far? I'll say first, when it comes to level, is um, the preparation is the same, but more detailed, right? So at the NAIA level, uh, being the head coach, I was preparing for several different aspects in the game because I didn't have a full-time staff and mm -hmm. I couldn't be as detailed and honed in on a one specific skill set or one offense or one part of the court. Um, and then, you know, you're able to win games that way because, you know, I recruited guys who were pretty talented and then we just played a certain style. We come into the Division One level, uh, what I've noticed is, one, um, the attention to detail is not necessarily higher, but more concentrated because you have this coach who's focused only on the defense and this coach who's focused on the offense. And then you, you, you collaborate, but you have your zone of influence. And when you're the head coach, all those things matter the most, mm. matter the most. And so it's like juggling the two, being able to be focused as an assistant coach on just one thing, player development and culture, and being able to read and study all day on that area and know that that's my role on the staff versus at any level with the head coach, you're doing everything. Mm -hmm. Academics, community development, you know, player development, recruiting. So 
the difference is just more concentrated focus on a certain area. Hmm. Yeah. And then you've, you have, you talked about player development. You, you've kind of become probably an expert in that regard. And, and uh, when you talk about uh, what, you know, whether we're talking young players, but right now you're obviously working with college players and then even some that move on to the pros, what do you see as the biggest difference between a, a good college player, but, and then somebody that has the ability to uh, get over that hump and become NBA caliber talent? Um, this is the main, the one thing that I've noticed is the ability. There's two things. The first is a good player has the ability to take constructive criticism and apply it to their game and trust the coach that's working with them and then go out there and work on it. The second thing that NBA players that I've worked with, it could be different in other, other facets. They seek out the constructive criticism mm. instead of waiting for it to come. So they're asking you, why do I need to do this? What do I need? This is going to happen. So their brain is always critiquing their self before the event. So then the event comes, that criticism is not there. Mm. And so it's just like they're always seeking, how do I get better at this? Why don't I want to do this? Why don't I want to do this? And they're never satisfied. They got to score 30 points. But the next game, this guy's going to do this to me. How do I? Mm. Versus wanting affirmation versus wanting criticism. And that's what I've seen from the guys that I've worked with is their ability to take that criticism and tur turn it into a, a, a winning habit versus taking the criticism and thinking like, oh, coach is hating on me, this and that. No, at the end of the day, if you trust us, we're trying to get the job done as well. Yeah, that's good insight. And I know for you too, you, you um, are pretty hungry for knowledge. Uh, you and I were communicating before we even got started on this. What are some things that you are uh, seeking out, reading, listening to, to, to help uh, uh, just grow your experience and knowledge? You know, one thing uh, is that goes by authors, you know, of course, uh, John Gordon has wrote a ton of different books on, on uh, leadership and on personal development. So for me, one of the things that I try to do is I try to read books that are going to help me understand the mind right now, because everybody changes how they do tactical things, but the mind has always been studied and this is what happens. And this is what happens. And so I'm trying to figure out where the millennials at the, that I'm coaching, what are they thinking? What's their attention span? And really, you know, how do they learn? And so really diving into books that are teaching me how to lead the next generation, next generation based on just like the mental capacity of what they're able to learn. So more scientific than anything, I'm reading a book called uh, Think Like a Rocket Scientist. Mm -hmm. And basically it's basically taking it down to, you know, explaining things in numbers and, but also having feel enough to know when you need to use the number to explain it. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are things I'm reading. And then I love to read autobiographies or biographies. And so I'll go find old historical figures and, and read about them or read old, speeches because uh even though the times change our rhetoric has seemed to stay the same uh words are powerful so i try to reuse a lot of those words and those phrases and those moments with my players i hear you drop a lot of nbc references words are power uh, exceed expectations it's just part of your language now um can we dig in a little bit to your nbc history how did that connection start and then, you know, what, what, is, what has been a moment or two within NBC that, is, that have really helped shape who you are and the, and the way you live? Um, Puyallup, Roger Smith, Jacob Washburn, going to NBC in Auburn um, was, was very important for me in my development as a leader. Coming from the inner city of Tacoma and then crossing that bridge to a gym that's full of a different color mm -hmm. was different for me, but it was also accepting because the NBC staff 
didn't care. They were just we were worried about basketball, and we were worried about development. And then um, the moment that changed me the most with NBC is uh, I couldn't really afford to go to camp. And so I was able to work one week as a junior counselor where I'm cleaning the floor, mopping the floor, filling up the things, and, and then also go the next week of camp. And um, I would always be wanting to do the skits and stuff. And one day they told me I could run up there and I like took my shirt off or so. I remember 13 or 14 years old. And I'm like flexing my muscles, but uh, it was a cool moment for me because it really, it made me realize how uh, the leadership at NBC, Roger and, and, and you and different people didn't wait to see what I would become before giving me an opportunity to show who I was. Mm. Meaning like didn't wait to see, oh, everybody's approved him. Let's use RJ now, which tends to happen a lot. You know, Fred let me go start, help run a camp in, in Italy before we had one <laughs> with me having never ran a camp on my own just because he believed in my work ethic. So those are, those are little things like that. And then just my relationship with Jay Crow and, and with Fred, like those are, you know, I got, I got married in Fred's backyard. <laughs> nice. There's a lot of connections to the fabric of NBC camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, you've been gracious enough too to, to give back. You, you, you've, you've been a, somewhat of a voice for NBC in a lot of ways. I know we kind of ventured into the world of podcasts with you and you, you, were, uh, you were awesome to, to work with us on that. And, and, and right now our country is kind of experiencing a lot of um, uh, turmoil and divisiveness in a lot of ways. What, what message would you, in your position, in your history, background, what position would you deliver to our NBC Camps family in regards to the, the current state of our, of our country and our world? One, one, I would say three things. First, I would say um, it's beautiful that the most diverse place and the most unified place is uh, a sports huddle. Hmm. And uh, you get into a sports huddle, you go to a sixth grade game in your inner city or your community, and you will see different colors, different religions, different creeds in a huddle. And so I believe that we need to keep our sports that way. Uh, we need to make our huddles sacred. We need to make our locker rooms the safe spaces. And whatever area you have power in, make sure you're loud and loved in that area. Don't seek to protest or riot like somebody else. Protest and riot in your space. If that means you're a coach, then coach with more love than you've ever coached in your life today. Uh, the second thing I would say is um, – to just be an empathetic listener. Uh, I think coaches, and in, especially in this, in this construct as players, we always want to be the answer. I want to be the best player. I want to have the best play. At this point, especially if you are not an African-American man or a woman in this scenario, just be an empathetic listener. Because uh, we all know the things that we say when we stub our toe. Well, I'm not putting the instance of the black community stubbed our toe, but right now we're reacting based on that emotional experience. So just be empathetic when you listen. And then the third thing, and I've said this on probably 25 Zooms or podcasts, is, um, and, I, and I love the word of God because it speaks on these things. There's three things uh, uh, that we are given for free that if we do not give away, uh, um, I believe God looks down on us and is not happy. Uh, the first is hope. We are given hope. And then we're given faith and we're given love. But hope that you don't fight for is hope that you don't have. And love that you don't share is love that you don't have. And then if you, and if you don't have uh, um, uh, hope, what was the other one? Hope, faith. Yeah, faith. And love. If you don't have faith, you live. 
then it's not faith. So hope not fought for is not hope. Love not shared is not love. And faith not lived is not faith. These three things we have for free and we hold on to them. Yeah. Yeah. And so my whole deal is to make sure those three things I am giving away mm-hmm. to regardless of skin color, regardless of things. But in this moment, maybe more aggressive to the black community with those three things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good message. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I love to follow you on social media. You you hit home runs day after day on social media. But I mean, on all honesty, like a lot of people use that for their own purposes and, and, and crazy things. But I just see you, you are really effective and intentional about making sure the content you put on there is going to lift others up. And that's how you've, uh, I think, really had a huge impact in that arena on that platform. What, what's your motivation behind that? Um, there absolutely is no motivation. Um, it is who I am by the DNA that, I mean, anyone who's known me since 12, 13, they know that that's just who I am. So I don't have to try. I don't have to, but one thing that I've noticed is I think a lot of us are this way to a certain point in our life. And then we believe that if I continue to be this way, will it hurt my brand? Will I be able to be hired if I'm this way? Is someone going to say, oh, he's too positive, but there's a negative? I decided, I think it's like 18 or 19 years old, that I don't care. If you can't hire me because I'm like this, then I don't want to work for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I had Division One coaches, and I've had mentors who have told me, hey, you might want to tone out your social media a little bit if you want to get a Division One job. Oh, wow. And now. I am working for Leon Rice, who celebrates who I am and what I'm about. Mm. And what greater time to have somebody on your staff who is wakes up and just exudes motivation on accident. <laughs> yeah. Somebody rear ends my car and I'm thinking, man, I needed to talk to this person. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Like, cause I can't even hide the fact that that's how I'm wired. Yeah. That's so great, man. That's awesome. Hey, before we wrap up, I, I, I've seen some stuff online about the Generation Wellness panel that you're a part of. Can you uh, tell our audience a little bit about that and how they might be able to get involved or, or come and be a part of that? Yeah, so um, there's this company called Generation Wellness. Uh, the founder and I are close friends, and uh, I had done some videos, like the positive IG 60-second videos for, her, for their classrooms for the past couple of years. And when all these issues started rising to the surface, a lot of teachers were asking her, hey, we feel very comfortable with Coach Barsh. Could I have a one-on-one with him and just ask him some questions about being black and being in education? And so I had some of these conversations and it got to the point where I was like, okay, there's a lot of people with these questions. Mm-hmm. So I said, Lindsay, let's just have a Zoom and just see who shows up and I'll get my brothers and a couple of little people that I love and trust that are family and we'll just talk not from an expertise of education but an expertise of the black experience mm-hmm. and um <laughs> we did it one time and 700 people wow. read it. and it's free and then uh after we were done over a thousand emails of access to do it again wow and so uh last Thursday we did it again and we had over 500 signed up again and and it was and, and here's where it came from when we, when Coach Rice had us meet with our entire team to talk about the George Floyd incident and what we could do as a team, uh, we as a staff decided to challenge our players to be about action and to be about a solution. Struggle with the problem, but be about a solution. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the words that I gave our team was, be loud in your space. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're a bike rider, when you're on your route riding a bike today and you see somebody else, don't ignore them right now. Say hello, smile, high five. That's your space today. And if that's your space, don't judge somebody who does not ride bikes, who doesn't smile. Just like don't judge somebody who's not on Twitter who didn't put out a statement. Mm. Be loud in your space. And I realized the education with Generation Wellness was my space. Social media was my space. So I said, you know what? I got to be loud there. And this is my loud is doing the Zooms with, with these teachers. And so far, about 57,000 teachers have been emailed just those conversations. Uh, and it's natural. I think sustainable change has to come from the natural way you do life. And it's in my lane of how I do life. So I could do this in my sleep for the rest of my life and I would affect people. So that's why I encourage people to do something in this environment uh, uh, where we're at as social unrest to fight for social justice, man, because social justice is not built in a day, it's built daily. Mm-hmm. And you just gotta wake up every single day and just fight for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey man, just I'll close with a spotlight of you in, in NBC fashion to just say, uh, I just love your, uh, I love your passion for life. I love your desire to, to uh, really build up and encourage the people that, that are both directly under your influence, but then even further reach. And like I said, those several hundred, even thousands of people that are getting to hear you and then making sure that you really use that to, to build and lift others up and to, and to educate, to inspire and um, man, I mean, what a, what, a, what a great gift that all of us can practice doing a little bit more and taking that daily positivity into our lives. And, and, and I know that for you, that comes from a, from a faith perspective. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's really neat, too. But, but you've been just such a great example in the basketball community. And I've been a huge part of, of uh, who NBC, you know, what NBC is and, and what we try to represent. So I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. You are awesome, and I uh, hope to get a chance to connect again with you soon. Yes, sir. As soon as we got off this quarantine and Zoom or whatever, whatever we're at, hopefully when people watch this in a couple of weeks or tomorrow, we'll be a step closer to being in the gym every single day. Definitely. <laughs> the gym. <laughs> hey, thanks again, Coach Bars. Appreciate you, man, and uh, have a good day. Have, adios. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to Outside the Arc. For more information about NBC Basketball Camps, visit NBCCamps.com and listen to other Outside the Arc podcast episodes available on iTunes.